Did the New Orleans Saints make a mistake by standing pat at the NFL trade deadline this week? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media CrescentCitySports.com, Tuesdays on Locked On NFL, USA Today, Saints Wire, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy, the way that it should be. You simply pick two to five players, choose whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their prize picks projections. You get those right, you can win up to 10 times your entry. First time users can get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. By using the promo code locked on, that's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. On today's episode, it's Film Watch Wednesday, so we're going to break down a little bit about how the New Orleans Saints controlled, dominated, and won in the trenches against the Las Vegas Raiders this past weekend. We'll take a look at Alvin Kamara's two touchdown catches, the catch and runs, and why the choice routes work so well. But first, did the New Orleans Saints make a mistake by standing pat at the trade deadline this week. Now, every team across the NFL has the option. They want to be buyers, they want to be sellers, or do they want to kind of stay put, stand pat, not make any moves when it gets to this area of the season. And some teams, they get to the point where they feel like they're one piece away, like the Miami Dolphins did on Tuesday. They go out and they make a trade with their last remaining first round selection and bring in Edge rusher Bradley Chubb ship off Chase Edmonds, make another trade with the San Francisco 49ers to bring in one of the guys we talked about as a potential trade target for the New Orleans Saints and running back Jeff Wilson. So you see teams that will go that route. You look at the Chicago Bears who trade off Roquan Smith, but then they bring in a guy like Chase Claypool. They're clearly bringing in assets so that they can either spend assets now or spend assets later, right? You kind of get Roquan Smith off your books. You got to kind of deal with that situation. You get some picks back the couple of weeks before that for Robert Quinn. You get back Chase Claypool and a couple of draft picks between the Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith uh, trades. I don't know what it is that the Chicago Bears plan to do with any of that because they don't seem to have a clear kind of direction forward. But hey, you're gathering up the assets that you need, the capital that you need to go and make whatever it is kind of choices that the Chicago Bears intend to make moving forward. The New Orleans Saints didn't make either of those moves. And and let's be honest, they didn't have a lot of options out there either. There were a few running backs that we discussed in yesterday's episode, Chase Claypool, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Cam Akers, rather, um, uh, Dearness Johnson, Jeff Wilson, Zach Moss, who two of those guys got moved. Uh, Kareem Hunt coming from the same team as Dearness Johnson, he did not get moved despite the fact that he was a part of those conversations. One other running back, uh, Naeem Hines was moved, Chase Edmonds was moved, but He's been struggling a lot so far this season, and I don't know that he really fits what it is the Saints are looking for. Naeem Hines is kind of a copy-paste version of Alvin Kamara, but with a lengthy injury history. So those aren't necessarily guys that you, the ones that did move around that weren't Jeff Wilson and Zach Moss, weren't necessarily guys that you look at and you feel like the Saints would have been clamoring for that you as a Saints fan should be clamoring 
to add to the team. Then you look at the opportunity to be sellers. Where did the New Orleans Saints have a surplus right now, considering injury, that they could actually move players from? I mean, if they feel really good about Jarvis Landry returning soon, I guess guys like Marquez Calloway, Traquan Smith could potentially be trade pieces. But then you look at the wide receivers that were moved today, and you see that they're all wide receivers that teams made moves for in order to not impact themselves this season, but impact themselves for the future. And there's not really a cornerstone guy that the Saints can move like that at that position. Chase Claypool, what he does for the Chicago Bears the rest of the season means absolutely nothing to them. It's about what he does for Justin Fields' development in 2023, 2024, and potentially a new contract. Uh, Calvin Ridley was moved today, despite the fact that he's suspended. But the fact that he is suspended tells you that for the Jaguars, that was a move that they wanted to make for next year, the year after. They're not looking to impact themselves right now. So I don't think that any of the guys that the Saints have available right now in the trade market at that position move the needle in that way. The other trade piece that the Saints have available was Marcus Davenport. But then you look at the only couple of edge rushers that were moved during the day, Jacob Martin uh, from the giant, from the Jets headed over to the the Broncos is a connection there. And you look at Bradley Chubb and you know that was a marquee guy that we knew were, was very likely going to be moved at the trade deadline. So for the Saints, in terms of what they had available in terms of their opportunity to be sellers compared to what actually moved at those kind of few positions where the Saints had a surplus, it's not very surprising to not see those players end up moved. Now, it doesn't mean that the Saints weren't sellers. It just simply means that what they had to sell wasn't bought by another team. And then you look at some of the asking prices as well that comes with that. Wide receiver prices are way up. Uh, Kareem Hunt, the the Cleveland Browns are trying to get a fourth round pick for him, which I don't think you do for that level of a running back. There's just not really, there weren't wasn't really a lot of maneuverability available for the New Orleans Saints, but you have to believe that they were you know, in on a couple of these things that just didn't come to fruition or as the Saints often do, they set a price. They know exactly what it is that they value and how they value it and how much value they're willing to give up for it. And then they, if anything exceeds that, then they just simply move on. And that's what we might have seen from the New Orleans Saints today. But just because the New Orleans Saints didn't make moves doesn't mean that they're not interested in getting better here throughout the rest of the season, especially considering that they're still one game back in the division, right? So you look at all the different other ways they can get better. First of all, continued improvement and play on the field, trying to build the momentum off of what they created for themselves against the Las Vegas Raiders last weekend. But you're looking at hopefully getting Trevor Penning back. Uh, Dennis Allen giving a, a positive update for Trevor Penning. He's out of the boot. He's doing cardio, treadmill work, that kind of stuff. And there were early, early reports after a successful surgery that Trevor Penning might be able to return. And I think when we talk about return for Trevor Penning, we're talking about returning to the practice field, like opening that 21-day practice window off of injured reserve early November. So, so far, so good. We also saw the Saints wave uh, Bryce Thompson and then cut two players from their practice squad. So they're making room for something, someone, somewhere. So we'll see exactly where that is as we continue on throughout the practice week. Remember, the Saints will play until Monday. So the practice week, instead of being Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is now Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You look at the Saints and their ability to get guys back like Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas and uh, Marshawn Lattimore and um, you know eventually Bradley Roby, Adam Troutman. They, they have these players that they are expecting to get back this season. Dennis Allen has made that very clear. And so you have sort of built in ways that your team will improve 
based upon what you can start to build on on the field, but also getting players back and getting players involved. And even if that doesn't happen within the next three to five weeks, as long as it continues to happen and as long as you're able to build upon what you've already started to put together, then I understand the Saints standing pat. I don't know that they necessarily missed out on anything at this time, but it might be something that we look back on by the end of the year and say, yeah, the Saints might have been better off making this move, that move, all of that. Of course, that's all hypothetical. Hindsight is 2020. But as of right now, I don't have a 2020 vision to say, yeah, the New Orleans are going to regret this moving forward by not being active at the trade deadline. I understand them not wanting to shuffle around things within a locker room that's working for them right now. And I, I, I get that. I get that. I think the one thing that we might look back at this offseason and say, wow, the New Orleans Saints really should have moved this guy is potentially Marcus Davenport if he ends up leaving for another team. But you have to consider too, what is the price that player that teams would have been willing to pay for a edge rusher that yes, had nine and a half sacks last season, but has dealt with injury, has been, you know, has shown some inconsistencies over the course of his time, is just now starting to catch on over the course of the over the course of the last couple of weeks, had major surgeries, has had major surgeries during his NFL career and before his NFL career. And at this point, you might imagine that that means that teams might value him for a 2024 selection, which the Saints would already get for any edge rusher sort of worth their weight in water um, through the compensatory draft pick system if Marcus Davenport were to leave over the course of this offseason. That would be a 2024 compensatory pick anyway. So for the Saints, six and one, half a dozen in the other in terms of how they get that pick if they're going to get that pick. So the only way that I think we look at that and say, ah, Saints really missed an opportunity there is that we can say that about this past offseason when his value might have been at its highest, although he was dealing with surgeries, injuries, stuff like that. And then later on down the line, if they don't get anything for him and he leaves. But the most important thing I think the New Orleans Saints didn't do at the trade deadline is trade away Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, I think right now, the New Orleans Saints best player that they're fielding at this moment. How did the New Orleans Saints get him going? We'll take a look at the catch and run plays and break those down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to get an opportunity here to tell you about our friends over at Simply Safe, S-I-M-P-L-I Safe. Make sure that you check them out. Um, I love Simply Safe. We use Simply Safe. Um, we've got the uh, glass break detection, the hazard sensors for things like flood, fire, stuff like that, um, exterior keypads, the home hub, all of the things that you need. And right now they have their biggest offer of the year that you don't want to miss out on, which includes you being able to order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. I told you how I, I told you why I love it. Now let me tell you how you can get a hold of all of this. First of all, one of the things you're going to want to keep in mind is that in an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology to make sure that they are exclusive, which is exclusively a part of Simply Safe, to capture critical evidence to verify that a threat is real. That way, you get priority dispatch uh, if you have any types of issues. It's that good. So don't miss your chance to say big on the one and only security system that I will recommend to you. You can get 50% off of any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. It's the biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
Hi, family. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. How did the New Orleans Saints just absolutely confuse the living heck out of the Las Vegas Raiders when it came to the most obvious weapon on the offense? We're going to break down both of Alvin Kamara's big catch and run touchdowns as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, which I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, whether it's your first time or you're a long time listener. Thank you very much for being here for your second listen. Make sure you go and check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast from all the games that matter to the most interesting stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insight that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So one of the things that we've sort of been itching to see throughout the season so far is Alvin Kamara in space. And there are a couple of times that it happened. You look back at the Seattle Seahawks saying the big 54-yard catch and run that I'm convinced is just a Alvin Kamara is just Pete Carroll's kryptonite. There's just something that Pete Carroll can't figure out about Alvin Kamara. So there's like those plays and there are a couple of others where he, you know, kind of got loose on his own, getting yards after contact, working himself in the space. But we haven't seen a lot of like screens that end up working uh, when they get to him or, or even get to him in the first place. We haven't seen a lot of him sort of running these option routes and finding the open space uh, on the uh, on the court, it's not like we're talking about basketball. On the field to be able to catch and be able to get some yards afterwards, things like that. Sweeps, you know, the, you know the things that we're we're used to seeing from Alvin Kamara. But for the New Orleans Saints, going up against a heavy man coverage defense in the Las Vegas Raiders, they did all the things that they needed to do to get the Raiders off balance. One of the things that they did in the first catch and run touchdown, which was a 16-yard catch-and-run touchdown by Alvin Kamara, is that they came out in a three-by-one formation with the three receivers uh, that would be going from the outside in, Kevin White all the way on the outside in the year of our Lord 2022, uh, 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 Chris Olave on the inside of him, and then uh, Traquan Smith inside of that. Then over on the left side of the fields, you had um, you had Juwan Johnson, and then Alvin Kamara out in the backfield on the left hip of Andy Dalton. So what Alvin Kamara runs when he does this is that he comes from out of the backfield and then goes out to either side. Both of these is that he leaks out to the left side of the field, the offensive left, and then cuts back inside. But he actually has, these are called choice routes. And Andy Dalton kind of spoke about them. Um, you know, Doug Mouton asked him, like, does Alvin Kamara ever make the wrong choice? And Andy Dalton said, well, he never, he always makes the right choice. So there is that. So basically the idea is that Alvin Kamara has the freedom to choose about whether or not he's going to break outside or break inside, depending upon where there is more space. Now, we know that the biggest plays in the NFL are usually over on the sideline, but in both of these plays, there is a cavernous amount of space in between um, the defenders and just a tunnel for Alvin Kamara to run through. And the reason why this is created is because Traquan Smith, who's effectively lined up in line like a tight end, ends up rolling outside toward the opposite sideline. That drags the safety that's over the top of him or the nickel corner that's over the top of him, as well as the linebacker out of that space in the middle of the field. Uh, Divine Diablo kind of passes on Alvin Kamara inexplicably and then goes to cover and double uh, Juwan Johnson on the opposite side of the field. And that just leaves the whole middle of the field wide open. Now, some of this is just what happens when Alvin Kamara comes out of those breaks, right? He's going toward the outside. So to, to Divine Diablo, since he's going toward the outside, the corner is going to rotate to take him over on the outside and kind of cut off the edge. So he has to carry the tight end that's on the inside. But then Alvin Kamara sees that. And what does he do? He makes the choice, right? And then he's able to cut it back inside. He catches it and he's able to kind of catch and run and nobody's able to catch him or stop him. Similarly, 
when the Saints lined up later on for what was the 36-yard catch and run touchdown, the Saints created that conflict defense. Now, we're going to talk about conflict defenders a lot this week as we take a look at how the New Orleans Saints are going to match up for with Lamar Jackson and how Lamar Jackson complicates things. I'll share an answer about all of this from um, Dennis Allen in tomorrow's episode, one of tomorrow's episodes. We usually try to do two on Crossover Thursday. Uh, is that basically you're making one defender have to make a choice, right? Am I going to um, cover this guy or am I going to hold, you know, the the edge or whatever? And so you you end up creating some of those conflicts when you're a Lamar Jackson, but you create those conflicts when you're an Alvin Kamara as well. This time it was a two by two formation where you had Chris Olave in the slot again, Kevin White on the outside in the year of our Lord 2021. And then we had Taysom Hill as well as I believe it is uh, Juwan Johnson, both kind of in tight on the in the formation over on the left side and then Alvin Kamara again coming out of the backfield. So what the New Orleans Saints do in this one is that they run over on the left side where Alvin Kamara is taking his initial release. Uh, they run Juwan Johnson up and kind of out. They kind of flare him or fade him out towards the outside sideline. Same thing happens again to where both the corner and Devon Diablo, the uh, linebacker, follow Juwan Johnson. Taysom Hill then comes through and kind of muddies things up a little bit uh, while Alvin Kamara comes out. And then he is faced with, uh, I believe it was Blake Martinez, the, the, the linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. So the linebacker kind of takes a little bit of outside positioning there, trying to keep Alvin Kamara from getting out to the sideline or breaking out into the flat. So what does Alvin Kamara do? He cuts back inside. As he's cutting back inside, Taysom Hill is wrapping over the top of that same linebacker. So that linebacker then has to make a choice. Am I going to try to cut off Taysom Hill and make sure that he doesn't end up getting a completion with some potential yards after catch? Or am I going to chase down Alvin Kamara. And before he ends up making that choice, Alvin Kamara is in the middle of the field with y'all, I am serious, acres of green grass between defenders. The Las Vegas Raiders defended this terribly. And some of it is because the Las Vegas Raiders were just absolutely all over the place when it comes to their responsibilities, but also good for the Saints for recognizing that and being able to take advantage of it and good for Alvin Kamara for continuously making the right choice. By the time that he catches this, he's got nothing but green grass around him. The safety is what? Let's see, 10, 22 yards away from the catch point. At this point, you have Chris Olave carrying one defender to the outside. You have Kevin White fading over toward the, the right sideline. He's carrying another defender up that sideline. And then all of a sudden, he turns into a downfield blocker and is helping to lead the way for Alvin Kamara. So the, this is how these things work. You recognize the weaknesses in the defense, which were the linebackers. We knew that coming into this game, and then you attack those linebackers. Now, Saints aren't going to have as easy a time up against Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, although Patrick Queen has been kind of up and down since coming into the NFL. So these aren't always going to work against the Baltimore Ravens, but Baltimore Ravens, not a very good pass defense right now. So some of these things will still be reminiscent in terms of how the New Orleans Saints game plan to take advantage of the rest of the teams they're going to face for the rest of the season. Good to see this still working. Good to see this still in the coffers of the New Orleans Saints and in their playbook because this is the key to success throughout the rest of the season, getting Alvin Kamara in the end zone. All right, coming up next, how did the New Orleans Saints win in the trenches? Well, on the offensive side, you've got one guy to thank, big number 71, Ryan Ramchek. He did something that no other offensive tackle has done so far this season. 
up against Max Crosby. We'll break it all down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, don't forget that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Daily fantasy made easy and honestly made the way that it should be. It's super simple. You're not going up against mystery teams. You're not competing with 6 million different daily fantasy lineups, anything like that. You're not dealing with spreadsheet wizards, any of that stuff. You are simply using the football knowledge that you already have to bring home some cash. You pick two to five players and simply choose whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their prize picks projections. You get those right. You can win up to 10 times your bet. It's that simple. And if you're a first time user, you can get a 100% instant deposit match right now of up to $100. It's super simple and you can use this. You can do this with NFL, MMA, disc golf. If you're a disc golf guy, Euro basketball, uh, women's basketball, college basketball, uh, the MLB World Series right now. There is so much that you can take part in over at Prize Picks. So download the Prize Picks app today or head over to prizepicks.com so that you can start playing daily fantasy sports. First-time users are going to get that 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. All you have to do is enter the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. If you deposit $100, prize picks will match $100. You deposit $50, they'll match you $50. It's that simple. Don't forget, promo code Locked On over at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app to make sure that you get to take advantage of that instant deposit match of up to $100. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the New Orleans Saints sort of trench dominance up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Ryan Ramchick doing something that no NFL offensive tackle has done since 2022 NFL season. I appreciate you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day and being here with us. December 13th, 2020. That is 28 regular season games ago, week 14 of the 2020-2021 NFL season. That is the last time that defensive end Max Crosby for the Las Vegas Raiders did not register a single pressure in a game. That is up until this past weekend. Ryan Ramchek absolutely dominated snap in and snap out, not only on his own, but dominated the only only pass rusher that the Las Vegas Raiders have that has been worth any amount of weight so far this season. Max Crosby came into this game as the Las Vegas Raiders pass rush. Six sacks. He was the leader in sacks and he was the leader by a margin (laughs) in terms of what the other players around him were or were not doing. Remember the Saints had 42 pressures coming into this game, third fewest total, third lowest total in the NFL. The Las Vegas Raiders not far behind 44 total pressures. The Saints gained an additional 22 pressures in this game alone. The Las Vegas Raiders, two. Neither of them from Max Crosby. Why? Because of Ryan Ramchek. And I'm not saying because of Ryan Ramchek and Cesar Ruiz next to him, although Cesar Ruiz also played an excellent game. No, no. Ryan Ramchek didn't get a lot of help here. The Saints trusted Ryan Ramchek to one-on-one stop Max Crosby. And you know what Ryan Ramchek did? He stonewalled Max Crosby. Max Crosby tried spin moves. He tried rip moves. He tried swim moves. He tried everything in his arsenal to blow past 
Ryan Ramchek. And you know what he never did? That. He never did that. And that's one of the reasons why the Las Vegas Raiders had two, two pressures in this game. I have to, I have to really track this down because we have eight weeks of data now, but I'm fairly certain that is the lowest, if not one of the lowest totals of the entire season thus far. And the New Orleans Saints did that. Now, like I mentioned, the Raiders haven't put up a ton of pressure so far this season, but the guy who has is the guy in a Las Vegas Raiders uniform, and that's Max Crosby. And Ryan Ramchek was the guy-er in front of him. When you have a tackle like Ryan Ramchek, who doesn't need the double-team help, doesn't need your running back to sit back and chip block. That's one of the other things, by the way, that opened up Alvin Kamara's game. He didn't have to sit back in pass protection. He didn't have to use wasted movement by chipping a uh, a defensive end or an edge rusher or a defensive lineman or a linebacker or whatever off the line of scrimmage. No, no. He didn't have to worry about any of that. He was able to just roam free, do his thing. Alvin Kamara in space. That was the theme of that game. And part of that happens because you don't have to reallocate him as a pass blocking resource because you trust Ryan Ramchek to just shut down the pass rush of the Raiders because it's that one player. Now, everyone else did their job too, because we've also seen teams, the New Orleans Saints, in some cases, go out there up against, you know, depth pieces and uh, rotational players and things like that, and sometimes struggle. It happens across the NFL all the time, but the Saints, all five of their offensive line positions locked it down. They locked it down. And that is absolutely huge. When you have a tackle that can do that, that can just erase that premier pass rusher. I know a lot of people love to talk about left tackles and that left tackles face the best pass rushers and the biggest assignments because they are the blindside protector. No, no. These right tackles have to work their tails off day in and day out against some of the best players in the NFL. You might not get your Miles Garrett's, but you get your Cam Jordans, you get your Max Crosby's, you get your JJ Watts, you get those guys coming off that right side. It, it ain't no walk in the park at all. And uh, for Max Crosby, if it was a walk in the park, it was a terrible one. It was an awful walk in the park for Max Crosby. So shout out to Ryan Ramchek, because when you have a guy that can just one-on-one take away that premier player and you're not reallocating resources all over the place, that allows you to do all of the things that the New Orleans Saints were able to do over the offensive side. As for this thing's defensive line, shout out to Peyton Turner, six total pressures, I'm sorry, five total pressures in this game. Uh, That's the second highest total by an individual so far this season, the Saints racking up 22 total pressures. That was their highest total of the season, uh, more than doubled their season-long production so far, 42 coming into the game. Half of that's 21. They racked up 22 in one game in terms of individual pressures, not individual snaps in which a quarterback was under pressure. Remember, sometimes pressure overlaps, right? You saw Malcolm Roach, um, Cam Jordan, and I, I think I want to say it was David Onyemata. Maybe it was maybe it was David Onyemata, all get in on the same sack, right? Those would be three pressures, right? So those types of things will compound and make the number kind of thrown off in terms of how many snaps a quarterback was actually under pressure. But Derek Derek Carr was under pressure for more than 40% of his snaps, as opposed to Andy Dalton, who was under pressure for 6.7% of his snaps. So shout out to the New Orleans Saints for topping, for more than doubling their season's worth production over the course of seven games in one game up against Las Vegas Raiders. That's exactly who they need to be and who they needed to be. That was the type of stuff that put, you know, Derek Carr in situations where he had a perfect cover hole, sh- cover two hole shot uh, early on to Mac Hollins down the, le- down the left sideline. 
and he rushed and then threw the go instead of hitting Mac, Mac Hollins where he started to kind of sit down in the open space. And then Justin Evans went and put a licking on Hollins after that. Like those pressures have impact. And then when you're also piling on the sacks, you're also piling on the hits and you're racking all of those up as well. Even one that gets called back from penalty still has a uh, impact on the way that the quarterback ends up taking uh, taking in the threat of the pass rush. The Saints absolutely dominated on both sides of the trenches. We know the game's one of the trenches. Sounds like a cliche, but here's a pretty good example of how that all happened. And in case you're wondering, during those snaps where Max Crosby was matched up with Ryan Ramchek, only seven double teams on 28 pass rushing snaps. Ryan Ramchek and the New Orleans Saints offensive line, dominant. All right, y'all. Thank you, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Once again, we'll have to ask the question and see if the New Orleans Saints can answer it on Monday night. Can they repeat the success they found against the Raiders as they host the Baltimore Ravens? We're going to try to answer that question and break down much more about this exciting matchup with Kevin Ostriker of Locked on Ravens in tomorrow's Crossover Thursday episode. Don't want to miss that. In addition, make sure you're also checking out for your second listen today, the Locked On Sports Today podcast, which is bringing you everything you need from Take of the Day to all of the biggest announcements, all of the biggest stories, and of course, all the biggest highlights throughout the day. You can find that on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you as always making us a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.